I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm glad to be back. I've been stopped by the coronavirus. We've had uh, Mike, who runs the board back there, and our camera people have been out with it. And uh, Tim got it really bad, and it, it could have killed him. Uh, I'm trying to be real careful not be around anybody. I wear my mask everywhere. I, I've got a lot of, of past heart problems. I had heart surgery in 2001, had triple bypass surgery, and uh, I had a heart attack with that. Some people said they don't believe in going to doctors. I will tell you this. If you wake up some morning and you feel like there's an elephant on your chest that weighs three tons, you're going to go to a doctor. If you don't, you're going to be dead within 48 hours. And that's the fact. You can't just live without... I don't trust doctors with all my soul and being, but there's certain things you have to go to them for, and that's one of them. And uh, I'm trying to be as safe as I can and to stay away from this virus. I've had a history of bronchial problems. I've been an asthmatic since I was a little kid. And I've fought for breath at times. And I just don't want the virus. So I'm going to stay away from crowds and wear my mask everywhere. Uh, and that's what I do. This has nothing to do Zero to do with Democrats and Republicans. Forget that. I told my neighbor across, I told uh, my neighbor's brother from across the street, I said, just go by one of these places and have a test and see if you got the coronavirus. He said, I'm not going to spend my money on on the vaccine. I said, you, I'm not talking about getting a vaccine. I'm talking about getting a test to see if you got it. They're not going to give you the vaccine after that. They're going to put you on some kind of antibiotic to get you over it. Good grief, everybody. People have got the wrong idea about what's going on. I don't want the virus. I'm going to try to do everything I can to keep from getting it. don't mean I'm a Democrat. I don't like Democrats, and I don't like Republicans. Doctors are doctors. Politicians are something else on the other side of the universe. All right. Now, I want to try to talk to you about something here that it's been everybody's uh, problem. Go to Revelation, the 13th chapter. I want to talk about the end of time, signs of the end of of time. I don't believe it's very far away. For the for forty plus years, about fifty years, I started preaching in nineteen sixty two. I started studying the Bible when I was seventeen years old, and that was nineteen fifty six. I'm not new at this. I've spent my life in this book. I was preaching 50 years ago. What would that be? That'd be back just before 1970. I was a young preacher 
about 50, from 1960, I actually started preaching in 1962. I was just a young preacher, kind of dumb, didn't know much. Uh, and I traveled with a singing group, and I preached all over the country. I started preaching on the 70 weeks of Daniel, 70 weeks, in around 1964. That's when I began to study it. I started hearing about it back when, uh, back in the in the early 50s, my father was a Baptist preacher, would go to some fellowship meeting and of the independent Baptist, and I'd hear some guy kind of take a stab at it, and he'd be all over the place. The 70 weeks of Daniel is the very key to the end of time. I've got some books over here. They're called the 70 weeks of Daniel. Uh, let me see if i got some. Here's one, Daniel's Prophecy of the Seventy Weeks. This is by Alva McLean. Very good book. But I have a tendency, I agree with him on a lot of things. And then I've got one. Well, I don't have one here. I've got another one called Chronological Aspects of the Life of Christ. It's got a chapter on the 70 weeks. I believe he's a little more accurate, pinpointed than this. That was written by Harold Honer. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm sure he's dead by now, but that book was put out years ago. And uh, the 70 weeks, there's four things you've got to look at looking at the end of time. You've got to look at you got to look at the judgments of God, the four judgments of God. The sword. Well, let me put it down here. you got to look at the sword. This is God's judgments. Sword. Famine. Pestilence. I said years ago, these are the four judgments for sword, famine, excuse me, one, two, three. One, two, three. And the fourth judgment, God would send these over and over again. The famine is, or pestilence is mentioned in the Bible about 47 times in the Old Testament. And I believe it's three times in the New Testament. And every time God would talk about pestilence and famine, he'd always couple it with the sword and the famine. The last judgment that God would bring upon the world was the beast. And for 510 years, Israel was a nation. 510 years, and they were a nation, and they kept going after Baal, the fire god and grove the tree goddess and then they begin to adapt all the gods of all the nations around them let me see if i can find a map of the nations uh get over here to where the nations were around israel 
I just need an Israel map with the nations around them because they begin to adapt the gods of Syria, begin to adapt the gods of Syria, the gods of Moab and Ammon. Ammon was the capital city of Jordan. That's Jordan right there. So they adapted their gods. Moab's god was Shemosh. She was the same thing. Shemosh, Shemesh is the word son in the in the Hebrew. Shemesh, Shemosh comes from Shemesh. That was the fire god in Moab. Moloch was northern Jordan or the land of Ammon, Ammon, Jordan. Ammon, Jordan is the capital of Jordan. And that was also the fire god of Jordan. And Israel adopted the gods of the gods of the Syrians, Remon, R I M M O N. Remon was the chief fire god of Syria in Damascus there in this area here. And they adapted the gods of Tyre and Sidon, which was Baal in the Grove. Baal in the Grove. And that was Jezebel's gods. She brought it down into Israel. Jezebel's gods, her father was Ethbaal. And Ethbaal was the prince of Tyre. And when Ahab married her, she brought her gods in. They built temples for her gods. And the Levites, who were the priests of God, they took out and went into southern Israel. And southern Israel got contaminated with it when Ahab's daughter, Athaliah, you can see that on this chart, she married all because of evil association. She got... Ahab was running around get back over here Ahab had a bad habit oh not Ahab Jehoshaphat was a righteous man there's Jehoshaphat there he was a righteous man but he he was running around with Ahab the husband of Jezebel he would try to seduce Jehoshaphat to go fight Ben-Hadad of Syria and he joined up with him but later on he was rebuked by the prophet and said why are you helping the ungodly well when he was running around with Ahab Ahab and Jezebel had a daughter Athaliah and evidently they saw each other one night and she married Jehoram and took her mother and father's gods down to southern Judah and polluted southern Judah that's why God carried them all away into captivity so the here's the thing that I'm trying to get at I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I'm just going to kind of give you some outlines of these things. All right. So after 510 years under, uh, as a kingdom, northern Israel split away and God had them carried away by the Assyrians 
by the Assyrians. The, the Assyrians, this is Assyria up here. Assyria is up here between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. That's called Georgia now. Armenia, that's what it would be. That's where the Caucasus Mountains were. Those mountains right there, the Caucasus Mountains, that is the the fathers of the Caucasian race. That's the most barbaric people that ever lived on the face of the earth. They actually, they are the ones that invented and created all this torture that American Indian did, the scalping, bearing a man up to his neck in the desert and pouring fire ants, uh, pouring honey on his head and put fire ants on his head. That came from our ancestors, the Caucasians. And that's Assyria up there. And they are the ones that carried northern Israel away. And it was all because of the idolatry that was Israel was involved in. It was northern Israel and one of their kings, Ahab, that brought it down into Israel. People hear about Ahab and Jezebel. They don't know how evil and wicked they were. He married Jezebel, brought all those gods down to Israel, and finally they polluted southern Judah or southern Israel with it. And they lasted about 510 years. And it was Ahab of northern Israel that had brought it in. Ahab, I'll put it right there. Southern Judah was carried away. They were carried away in 722 B.C. And this is one of the stories of the end of time has going to come about. And, uh, and then Southern Judah was carried away by Babylon, by the Babylon, Babylon king, Nebuchadnezzar. I'll just put Neb there of Babylon. And he carried southern Judah away in 586 B.C. And the Bible says that they will be carried away until the end of time. And this is why we need to understand the 70 weeks. What were the 70 weeks about? 70 weeks. They were about the fact that the word is not weeks. The word is Shabua, S-H-A-B. U-A-H which is the word sevens and the whole purpose of the 70 weeks because Israel all the time they were a nation they, they did not keep their sabbatical years they had a, you'll find the sabbatical years found in Leviticus the 25th chapter God comes Leviticus means the law of the Levites the Levite was the third Levi was the third son of Jacob, Reuben, and then Simeon, and then Levi, and then Judah. Out of Levi would come the priesthood. Priesthood. Out of Judah would come the king. And David was the line of Jesus was the line of Judah. David came out of Judah. That's where the king had to come from. And they did not keep their sabbatical years for 70 sets of these years. And you'll find the 70 weeks of Daniel in Daniel 
9, 24 through 27. And he will show you how he's measured that out. There are six things that Israel has to do before those 70 weeks are ended. Six things. In fact, look over there. This is Israel's punishment. The whole idea of Israel coming back is about the end of time. They became a nation May 14th, 1948. The Bible says when this happens, the end is going to be near. They were scattered because of their idolatry. But through all of this time period, they're going to be ruled by other nations through all this time period till the end of time. They're going to be ruled by nations. That's going to be the time period of the 70 weeks. But they had 70 sets of these every seven years. So you multiply... 770 times 7 and you get 490 years that's how much time there is in the 70 weeks of Daniel and that's because of what Israel did while they were a nation and you're going to find them as a nation from 1 Samuel through 2 Chronicles the Jews call that one book First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. That is the history of Israel as a kingdom. That's these kings right here. Starts with Saul. Let me move this over here. Starts with Saul. Of course, he was from the wrong tribe. Long story. Uh, the people kept asking for a king, so God gives them. The wrong king gives him a king from the tribe of Benjamin, the twelfth son of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. So Saul is an adventure uh, for three chapters from actually from the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth chapter. He never does keep the word of the Lord by God says so. God sends Samuel the prophet down to southern Judah and says, I've chosen me a king among his sons. And he goes down there and walks before Jesse. And he brings seven of his sons out. And he says, is there anybody else here? And he says, there's the youngest. And he keeps the sheep. And he says, I'm not leaving until you bring him in. And David walks in. God says, that's him. That's my king. So, so, because of Solomon, God, even though God's going to scatter him, he causes men to sin in order to bring about his causes. Solomon's sin, he has intentions of getting Saul off the throne. He's going to get Saul off the throne. But Solomon allows his 700 wives and 300 concubines. A concubine is a secondary wife. He allows them to have uh, to be there in Israel and have their gods. God says, just for that, I want to take the kingdom 
what he meant when he said, I'm going to take the kingdom for you in the 11th chapter of 1 Kings. I'm going to take the inheritance away from you. I'm going to give it to your neighbor who's better than you. So he, what he does, he splits, he takes Solomon, who is of the tribe of Judah, and this is Solomon's lineage here. This is the proper kings right here. It all comes out of Solomon. Because they're of Judah. Now this tribe up here, this is northern Israel. Whoever can overthrow the king, if he can muster up an army to overthrow the king, he gets to become king. Most of these guys are evil. But this is northern Israel. Or Ephraim. Ephraim is northern Israel. Ephraim is the second born son of Joseph. Joseph gets the inheritance. The kingdom is ruled by Judah, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Joram, Ahaziah. Athaliah doesn't belong in that lineage. She is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. But since Jehoshaphat was running around with Ahab, keeping bad company, and Jehoshaphat's a wonderful guy. We'll see him in heaven one day. But Ahab's wicked to the core. And some of that rubbed off on Jehoshaphat because his son Jehoram runs into the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, which is Athaliah. So she brings her gods down into southern Israel. And boy, that God says, that's it. So he starts scattering both of them. And you can read this in the books of the kings. All about them being scattered. Most people don't have any idea why it's important to know that Israel became a nation again for the first time in May 14, 1948. That's because of their sin and God, everything that God was going to put them through. I, I believe that God has a remnant in Israel that's going to believe. Because why would he set these people apart and then call his church by the name of spiritual Israel? Israel comes, anybody in Israel that comes has to come by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. That's it. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the 70 weeks. I'll give you some verses on it, and then I'm going to get to the other signs. I want to get to the mark of the beast. Mark, I'm going to say something to you. Mark has the same meaning as name. But there's a depth to the Greek language that we don't understand. Let me just show you something before I get into the into this signs of the seventy weeks. I'll give you something to think about. Now, go over here to Revelation thirteen, and it's talking about the mark of the beast in Revelation thirteen, all through it. Revelation thirteen. And 
This is why you need to look up words. Revelation 13. He's talking about the beast. I said the beast earlier was a system. When Mr. Bush mentioned new world order, it shocked me when I heard Bush Sr. mention a new world order. I said, that has to be the beast. The beast ruled. The beast was was Assyria, which was just northern Babylon. Assyria, Assyria is up here. Babylon is here. This is Babylon, Assyria. There's Israel, Mediterranean Sea. Here is Greece, Rome. And Persia is what what we would call Iran and Pakistan and all the stands, the Turkestan, that was all Persia. This was Babylon right here. That's Iraq right there where Babylon was. And this is Persia, Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan. All of that was Persia. And Persia comes in and attacks Babylon. Babylon is on the Euphrates River, and they say we can't be conquered. The really, you really need these books, uh, McClinic and Strong. You can get them on the internet, and you can look up Babylon in it. It'll tell you Babylon straddled the Euphrates River, and it was fourteen miles on every side. It was, and it had like three hundred and eighty foot walls above the ground and the and and the the re, the I got nowhere to put this up here. The Euphrates River ran through it. <clears throat> ran through it and around it. Well how did Cyrus conquer it? Well, Mr. Herodotus, who's the father of all history, you can get Herodotus in a two-volume set. You can order a wonderful set of books. He tells you, along with Isaiah 44 and 45, that Cyrus came in from Persia, or what we would call Iran, Afghanistan, so forth. And he blocked up, he dammed up the river up just north of Babylon, ran it out into the Arabian Desert, dried up the river and came down and walked up to the two-leaf gates, came in and arrested Belshazzar and killed him that night. Now, but it was, it was the Persian king, Cyrus, Derives Artaxerxes that gave the decrees for Israel to come back, and less than 50,000 came back from the captivity because they were prospering over there and they were buying houses and prospering and building up, and most of them didn't want to come back and build the, rebuild the temple that had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, by 
Nebuchadnezzar when he came in and sacked the city. Sack is a, we use that in professional football to a level of quarterback before he can throw it. Well, that's an old ancient term. It meant to level everything to the ground, burn it to the ground. Well, that's what he did when he sacked it. Now, I was going to show you something here in Revelation. All this goes together. Those that have the mark of the beast, they have his mark or his name. I didn't say that. Revelation 13 says that. Just look at Revelation 13. Revelation 13 is talking about the beast at the beginning of it. I did did a series on Revelation. I did four and a half years on the book of Revelation and there were 236 messages on that. I did one a week and and for four and a half years and then I came back and did another 20 or 30 more because I didn't finish it. But you got the beast here in Revelation 13. Gosh, it's hard for me to keep from wandering away and wanting to teach on this, but I'll read it. I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. The sea is the Mediterranean Sea. That's what it's talking about. A beast rose up out of the Mediterranean Sea. Get over here to my favorite picture of the beast here. Beast rises up out of it. All of Bible teaching takes place in this area right here. That's the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's all in here. So he sees a beast rise up out of the sea, and we see that the beast was Assyria and Babylon, because they are basically the same system, and when one falls, the other falls. Well, Babylon, Persia, which is Iran, Afghanistan, and all the stands, that would be Persia, Greece, Rome. You're going to find the beast mentioned specifically in in uh, Daniel, the seventh chapter, and first, first anything. <laughs> what I'm trying to do in Revelation, the thirteenth chapter. You're going to find that the beast was Babylon. Persia, Greece, and then Rome. And they rose out of the sea because here's Babylon, Iraq. That's the exact shape of Iraq right there. That's Iraq, Babylon. Persia's over here. Take a lot to put Persia in there. Persia, Greece, that's where Alexander the Great, he was from Macedonia. Macedon is northern Greece. This is the Peloponnesus. Looks like a hand down there. There's just a land bridge that goes over there. So Babylon was overthrown by Persia, 
Persia was overthrown by Greece. Uh, by Greece, Greece was overthrown by Rome. And that's where they would build up. And this was the beast. Let me just read it to you right here. In Revelation, <coughs> Revelation, the 13th chapter, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. I'm not going to go into seven heads and ten horns. A head, I'll just say, a head was a capital city of an empire. Capital city. And that was the same thing as a mountain. And we're going to find that one of these heads was wounded to death. And I believe that is the outlawing of the fire worship that was founded in uh, in Babylon. It was the outlaw of that. It, it crept into the Roman Empire. And when it was outlawed, it was reinstituted into the Roman Catholic Church by Constantine. But let's read this. He had seven heads and ten horns. A horn was a power. I'm not going to go into that right now. I love teaching on it. And upon the horns, ten crowns. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. That's upon the beast that comes up out of the sea. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. And his feet was the feet of a bear. Got a gnat bugging me up here. Bugging me. Uh, and his feet as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power his seat and his great authority let me just go ahead and say it again his is a bad translation it says the beast I might as well erase some of this I can put it back up I can always do that I'll leave some of that over there. All right. The beast was like a lion. A bear. And a leopard. And the fourth beast had iron teeth. The lion represented Babylon. The reason for that is that the lion is the most regal of the animals of the Serengeti Desert. And the most regal of all the animals was the lion. And Babylon was so magnificent. It had the hanging gardens. They had put all kinds of aqueducts through Babylon so they could grow, grow all these magnificent plants. And when you saw it from a distance, 14 miles by 14 miles by 14, you saw all this beautiful, luxurious uh, handiwork there. Every one of the conquerors of, of Babylon, 
Persia, Greece, and Rome. They loved Babylon so much, they kept Babylon as their head, and that's where they operated from. Now, and we know this is true when you look at Daniel, the seventh chapter. Daniel 7. Look at Daniel 7 very quick. Let me put the beast up here. The beast is the Greek word tolerion. Tolerion is neuter gender. But people say, I don't know what gender means. It either means male, masculine gender, female, feminine gender, or neuter gender, which neither male nor female, that'd be a table, a chair, your car. Uh, it has nothing to do with a human. So you got masculine, feminine, neuter gender. So the beast is a thing. And you, every, when you have a gender of a subject, anytime a pronoun is mentioned after that, his and him have to carry the same, the word his and him all through this says that the beast gave, that I saw, his feet was like a feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his. Him and his have to carry the same gender as the beast. Well, the beast is not a him. It is a thing. It's a system. So the hymns and the his is a... U-T-O-U. Autu is the word. you got many variables of Autu. You have A-U-T, Ada. An Ada on the end of a word, or an Ada Nu, is always feminine gender. And that's what the Bible says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself, it says, for it. The church is not an it, it's a her. It says alte, so it's her. Jesus died for his wife and nobody else. All two can be either masculine or neuter gender depending on the gender of the subject. And the subject is the beast, totherion, neuter gender. That's just like Jim is the pastor. Now, if I refer back to Jim, it's always got to be a masculine gender. If I said she, Jim is not a she. If I said it, Jim is not an it. I'd have to put he pastors the church. He preaches predestination. 
This has to match up with the gender of Jim. That is a bad translation. I don't care what translator did this. Half the translators were Roman Catholic of the King James Bible, and the chief translator was a man named Lancelot Andrews. He was a Roman Catholic priest that was up to be presented as Pope for Rome. I don't know who did it, but it was wrong. If you got the beast here, and you got the beast over here in Daniel 7, shouldn't they be the same gender? Yeah, sure they should. Let's look at let's look at Daniel seven. See if it's the same gender. Okay. Daniel seven. Go over to Daniel. A million things go through my mind when I'm teaching. I want to get back to what I was saying a while ago. All right. Daniel seven. Here's the beast says the same thing is rising up out of the sea, but the sea is the Mediterranean. Alright. Daniel 7. I've spent my life studying prophecy in the 70 weeks of Daniel. If you just tune it in, you say, well, you got that wrong. You hadn't heard what I've got to say yet. I haven't really hit it. I did 18 months on the 70 weeks of Daniel. One series, I didn't finish it. So all you're getting is an introduction here. Alright. If the beast is a thing, and you have to have the mark of the beast to buy and sell, then you have to have the character of the beast because Mark is the word karagma and it means character now let's look at this Daniel 7 does this sound like a thing or does it sound like an, uh, a hymn you can't have God having the beast rise up out of the sea in Revelation 13 and have the beasts rising up out of the sea in Daniel 7 and not be the same thing. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Belshazzar was a profligate. That means he was culturally a sleazebag is what he was. He was lascivious, debaucherous. He did everything that was wicked. Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his and his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, behold the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. They they looked at the world. They said it had four sides. They knew nothing about America. knew nothing about... There was no America. There was no Alaska. It was there, but they didn't have it named. They said, 
all they had was laid out like so. Got in the Atlantic Ocean, they don't know where they didn't know where it went to or where it ended. And they said it had four corners and it had four winds, a north wind, a south wind, an east wind, a west wind. That's what they said. You gotta study a lot to learn that. Now and the four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. The first was like a lion, that's Babylon, and had eagle's wings. To have eagle's wings meant it moved swiftly. Nebuchadnezzar moved fast, conquering. And I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man. That's talking about when Nebuchadnezzar was struck down on his all fours in the fourth chapter of this same book, Daniel, and then after he was struck down, after seven times, he the reason he was struck down, he stood up over Babylon and said, See great Babylon that I have built, Nebuchadnezzar. God said, Just for that, I'm going to strike you down and you're going to eat grass with the cattle of the field. And you're going to... Uh, uh, until seven times. I believe it was seven months till your fingernails grow out like bird claws, till your hair grows out like eagle's feathers. Had to be seven months. That couldn't happen in seven days. And he couldn't have been seven years eating grass with the, with the field. Then he says, made to stand upon his feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it, and that's when Nebuchadnezzar stood up. But that's talking about Babylon. And behold, another beast, a second, like a bear. The bear is the largest carnivore in the world. Two bears, the polar bear and the Kodiak. From Kodiak on. I've studied both of them. The Kodiak is a little taller, maybe when he stands up on his hind legs raises his paw out, he may be 15 feet tall. The Kodiak is anywhere from 13 to 15 feet. Could be up to 17 feet, raising their paws up. That would be something to contend with. The bear is the largest carnivore alive. Persia had the largest armies that ever existed. They would attack, they would attack uh, it says the second beast was like a bear and it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in its mouth. The three conquerings of uh, the bear or Persia was Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt. So to have in your mouth meant to conquer them. Then he says, in the, between the teeth of it, and they said thus, unto it. Arise, devour much flesh, Persian bear. It's not Russian bear. It's a Persian bear. They would take two and a half million men and attack one kingdom. They did that when they attacked Carthage. Two and a half million soldiers. Oh, what an army. And after this, behold, lo, another 
like a leopard which had upon its back of it four wings of a fowl and the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it there were four generals that controlled that was went before Alexander the Great Alex the Great let me see here Alex Great had four men. Alex Great. Alexander the Great was without a doubt one of the most formidable men to go against. He had so many tricks up his sleeve. He studied constantly the enemy. But he had four generals. He had Cassander. The Sacamus, L-Y-S-A-C-H-M-U-S, I-M-U-S. The Sacamus, and he had Ptolemy. And he had, this is the four that it's talking about. And it doesn't mention them one time, it mentions them again in chapter 8. And Seleucus. Seleucus was the most greedy of all of them. He got the lion's share of Alexander the Great's empire when Alexander died. They believed that Alexander Alexander was only about 32 years old. He had been the king of Greece since he was approximately 20. And he was just an unbelievable I had a guy that went to West Point said West Point teaches his tactics said he was just he thought out of the box as we put it I'll tell the story about how when when he was attacking the Persian army he wanted to know how when the Persian army was attacking him, when the Persian chariots would come in, and they had those iron chariots, and this is a wheel, and they had those sides going out the side of the wheels, that would cut men down. Nobody could fight an iron chariot. But Alexander the Great didn't study the chariots. He studied the horses. And he found out that if you open up a little place, have the men just back up like that, like a little inset, a little garage, that the horse would come in there and stop. And they'd kill the guy that's riding it and take his chair and take it over there and implement it in their work. He was tricky. Nobody thought to study the horses, but he did. But anyway, Seleucus, he is the guy that got Syria. And Syria is constantly, Seleucus is constantly trying to raise up Syria 
be an empire so it can attack Rome. He was a powerful guy. It just he was very ingenious. And he was always trying to attack Egypt down here. He wanted to come down and attack Egypt. But the thing is, he couldn't go out here in the Arabian Desert. His highway was Israel to Egypt. Anyway, some of the uh, the generals under Seleucus was called Antiochus, Antiochus. He had several Antiochus. He had Antiochus the Great, Antiochus the God, and Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes... Antiochus Epiphanes was the one that tried to attack Egypt. He came down, ran right through Israel. He's going to attack Egypt. Well, he had his army sitting right outside of Egypt, right outside their capital. And he got a message from Rome, from a general. And the general said, don't you attack Egypt till you talk to me. He said, I want you to meet me on the island of Chittim, which is the same thing as Cyprus. He said, I want you to meet me there. And there was nothing that Antiochus could do but, but do it. So he met this general there on Cyprus. And and the general told him to stand right where he was and do a circle around him in the dirt. And Rome was ruling the world at that time. That's why Rome, Babylon, and all these kings would call themselves kings of kings. That's where that comes from. It comes, and actually Jesus is the king of kings. He's the king of all the kings. But as long as the people would live according to Roman law and what their heads would say, they'd let you rule your own nation. And that's why Antiochus got out of, he got out of hand. He was a solution king. And when he met that king there, he said, don't you get out of that circle until you promise you will not attack Egypt. Do you understand me, boy? And he said, gritting his teeth, just mad, infuriated. He said, okay. He was so mad, so angry, that he went up back up to Jerusalem, defiled the temple. He's the very picture of the man of sin at the end of time. Man of sin. And he raised up an Ashtaroth, a tree goddess in the temple of God. And there's more to this story. I need to get on because i got so much to get to. And and so he went back to home to do his business, and I've got more to say on that, but I won't right now. 
Now, so here's the beast. This has to be the same beast. It's the same lion, barren leopard, and a beast with iron teeth. So, and I beheld a leopard. You're saying, why a leopard? How can a leopard outdo a bear? Leopards are a killing machine. I've read up on them. They hunt at night. They hunt to eat. They hunt alone. And they're gonna and they're gonna get their enemy. A, a leopard can get a hundred and fifty pound man in his mouth, climb to the top of a tree with him. They would do that so they could keep him away from the other big cats. If a lion pursues you out there on the Serengeti, he may shake you and throw you down. If a bear gets you, he may do the same thing. If a leopard comes after you, he's coming to eat. He's going to kill you. That's how dangerous they are. So the leopard has four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, the one that overthrows these... And the fourth beast is Rome. This is Babylon, Persia, no, excuse me, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. Rome is always represented in iron. You see the, you see in the second chapter that image of Nebuchadnezzar, and it has a head of gold. Let me do this. This is Nebuchadnezzar's image. Has a head of gold. And Nebuchadnezzar has asked Daniel to interpret this. This. I can't draw, but it's. That's you. It's got a head of gold. It's got a. A. It's got a chest of brass, I mean of silver. And it's got a torso of brass. And it has legs of iron. And that's mixed with clay in the feet. They would have a this the head of gold. Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, Thou art that head of gold, it's you, Babylon. Therefore, Persia, if you notice, as you go down this this statue, the metals get less precious but they get stronger and Rome is able to overthrow everyone else and it was Rome that subjugated these four generals of Alex the Great Rome put them in submission they never did get to rule after Alex the Great 
But the image was a picture of the beast. And the, the idea of the clay, it says the clay was not mixed with iron. They had a treading trough when they were going to mold something into a into a vessel of some kind. They would take this treading trough and they would stamp the clay until they got all the bubbles out, all the impurities out. And I was in when I was in elementary school in Fort Worth, Texas, about 1950 or something. I was in the fourth grade, and Mrs. Maggard, I think it was, or Haggard, was our teacher, our art teacher. She said, "Children, you got to beat that clay until you get all the bubbles out of it. Because if you don't, when you put it into the kiln, you bust all the pieces." And that's what the it wasn't mixed with the iron. This whole image was going to tread Israel down to 70 times 7, 490 years, until Israel was purified. And at the end of the 70 weeks, does anybody know how long I've got back there? Mike? 39. 39, okay. I can't go through everything I want to go through in the seventy week in the Daniel. But what really subjugated all the other beasts world system was Rome. And she was always made of iron. In fact when you see the scorpions the scorpions in in Revelation nine they're actually locusts coming out of the pit that are like scorpions. How are locusts like scorpions? Well, the reason I'm telling you this is because the scorpions have breastplates of iron. That means they come out of Babylon or come out of Rome. And what ascended Rome and came out of Rome when the old Roman Empire was outlawed was the Roman Catholic Church. And that has to do with one of the heads being wounded unto death. Now, what was I going to tell you there? Uh, but the whole idea was all the time that Israel, the scorpions in the Greek, you have a noun, Scorpios, S-K-O-R-P-I-O-S. That's the noun scorpion. How are locusts like scorpions? There's a noun and a verb form of the noun. The verb form of scorpios is scorpizo. S-K-O-R-P-I-Z-O. Scorpizo means to scatter. That's the same word in John 10 when John is talking about the shepherd of the sheep. He said when the shepherd leaves he allows the assistant shepherd 
the hireling, the one that's hired for money, the hireling, like Kenneth Copeland. And the hireling allows the wolf to come in. We know wolves are false teachers. According to Jesus and according to Paul, false teachers in Matthew 7 and in Acts 20. Paul, when he left the church at Ephesus, he, he said wolves will come in, ravening wolves will come in, slaughter the flock and will not spare the flock. Well, in John 10, the hireling, the man that works for money, like Kenneth Copeland or any Baptist preacher that works for money, he allows the wolf to come in and scatter. That word scatter is the verb form of scorpion. The reason I brought that out was to tell you that later on in that chapter 9 of Revelation, these scorpions have breastplates of iron. I got a book on arachnids. I bought that years ago. Arachnids are eight-legged creatures. That's what scorpions are. They got eight legs. And the scorpions, with their eight legs, they there's several things about them that's amazing. They well, they eat their own kind. They're carnivorous. They actually go out to hunt at night. They get in some can or something waiting for a victim to come along. And when it comes along, they sting it with a stinger. But they follow the stars at night. Isn't that amazing? Because Babylon followed the stars and the moon. And that's what scorpions do. But scorpizzo, they had breastplates of iron. You find the iron in Revelation Revelation 13, uh, no, excuse me, uh, Revelation 17, I'll get it in a minute, Revelation 9, you find the iron in, in Daniel, Daniel the 2nd chapter and Daniel the 7th chapter, and all of that represents Rome. Let me finish this and go back over to Revelation. i got to give you the mark of the beast. Now, go back over to Revelation, the 13th chapter. Revelation 13. I do a lot of referencing and I just this is all in my head I don't have it planned I didn't plan anything when I got up here today I've spent my life studying these things and I don't mean to boast if you go through this stuff as much as I have you'll you'll understand now and he says here, And the beast which I saw was like a lioness's, verse 2, was like a leopard, and his feet was the feet of a bear. Let me say it the way it is. And its mouth was the mouth of a lion, and the dragon, not, not a fire-breathing dragon, 
Dracon. Means to fascinate. How in the world is Babylon going to lead people astray without making them feel good? It's not a fire-breathing dragon. That's a terrible translation. Because I don't know what kind of creature you could use. You could say a smooth talker. Uh, they had to put it down. To the, these translators did stuff that they wanted to do. I saw one of its heads as it were wounded to death. If you look up the word mount in McClinic and Strong, mount, it will tell you that a mountain and a head and a horn all meant power. It meant a leader. A head, and one of the heads, one of the, and a head was a capital city, so was a mountain. One of the capital cities wounded to death. There were two Caesars that rose up that forbid the, the fire worship in Rome. And what they did, they turned around and Constantine set up the same system in the Roman Catholic Church. I'll just put Catholic Church. And just simply renamed the images. He renamed Jupiter, Peter, and he renamed Aphrodite or Venus, Mary. Aphrodite has the same job as Mary because Aphrodite means wrath Subduer. They said that Aphrodite could re- subdue the wrath of her son. So the Roman Catholics implemented Aphrodite in there, and they said that's why they prayed to Mary, so they could subdue the wrath of her son, Jesus. And that's really not true. All right. Now, now let's go over here further in this chapter. And I want to look here at, gosh, where can I go here? Let me read down to it in verse, you've got two beasts here. You've got a beast in the middle of this chapter, and he speaks for the other beast. And he says here in verse 11, I beheld another beast. The same thing applies to this beast that applies to the first beast. It's neuter gender. And when they put, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, he had two horns like a lamb. It looked like Christ. Looked like it represented Christ. And he spake as a dragon, a one that fascinates. So this is something that looks like Christ, but it's actually something evil, because he speaks to fascinate, and God never does that. He exercises all the power of the first beast, 
before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast which is a world ruling system whose deadly wound was healed and he goeth he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men remember fire from heaven means truth coming from the mouth of the prophets so this is evidently a deceiving beast and he's not bringing really real fire down and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had the word miracle is not a real miracle it's simeon s-e-m-e-i-o-n it's the word sign so he produces something that looks like a sign and he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the first beast which had the one by the sword and did live and he had power that word image is icon it means something that's similar and he had a power to give life unto the image of the beast it's kind of like saying oh that new manager came in and gave life to that company it doesn't mean the image will come alive it means it will do things that seems to be progressive and getting ahead that had the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed and he causeth all both small and great rich and poor free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or their foreheads the word mark is the word karagma now from karagma you get two other words karaks character character would be character our word character 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 means a stake a stake marks a boundary this is what the mark of the beast is there was a tree in the middle of the garden that Adam was forbidden to partake of it was like a Christmas tree that's what it is there was a tree in the middle of the garden you can't go over there and go beyond the stake of that boundary you can't eat of that tree you can eat of all these trees here in the garden but you can't eat of that tree you can eat of these trees that's where we get the word iniquity iniquity is the word anomia in the Greek a-n-o-m-i-a it's a construction nomos which is the word law or lawful 
and the alpha privative in front of it negates the word. It means unlawful. It was unlawful to go beyond this stake. And that's what Eve, Eve saw in the tree. A tree that was good for food, pleasant to the eye. It would make her wise. I believe this is the mark of the beast. I believe it's always been the same. John said, 1 John 2.16, All that's in the world, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Lust, lust is the word epithumia. It means to long for that which is forbidden. This is forbidden there. It's unlawful to eat of that tree in the midst of the garden. It's unlawful to eat of the lust of the flesh. Lust means to long for that which is forbidden. And the good for food is pleasant to the eye. The lust of the eye. And when Eve looked at the tree, she, it was pleasant to her eye. The word idolatry, E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A, means to serve la truo. What you see, E-I-D-O, it means to serve what you put in your eyes and your ears, and that goes all the way back to the garden that John said is everything in the world. And that word pride is the word alazonia, A-L-A-Z-O-N-I-A. That's the pride of life. It means self-esteem. I believe that's the mark of the beast. I believe the mark of the beast is wrapped up in these right here. I don't believe the mark changed from the Garden of Eden all the way through the book. Now, I want to continue reading this because I introduce you to something. That he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark, a choragma, a stake, character. It can say etching, but a slave that belonged to someone had an etching put in his forehead or on his on his hand and that showed who he belonged to that's just like mystery Babylon the great the mother of harlots and there was a name on her the abominations of the earth let's read the next letter and I can explain that better the next verse no man might bind or sell save he that had the mark or the mark or that word or name mark or name 
Onoma. When you see R in a sentence, we're not talking about A-R-E. That's a verb. Let me tell you what this says in Webster's Dictionary. What it says that R means, R is a word, a functioning word to indicate an alternative. What this is saying is that name is an alternative to mark. So the mark of the beast is the name of the beast. In fact, it's the same thing as saying Mark I.E. Name. When you see I.E. anywhere in the book, the word is id-est. I-D-E-S-T. I-D-E-S-T. That's Latin. Id-est means that is or that is to say. So when it says mark or name, then the name of the beast, it's easier to study than the mark. That's just another word for mark. They have basically the same meaning. Let me show you something. If you've got Kittle's New Testament Dictionary of Greek Words, this is the section out of the Kittle's New Testament Dictionary of Greek Words. This has got 40 pages just on the name. And they'll tell you in here that it has the same basic meaning as Mark. Let me read some things out of it. Do I have any time, Mike? Ten. Ten minutes. Maybe I can go through here and show you some things. The word name in the Greek is onoma. O-N-O-M-A. And they will tell you that a man's name is not merely an appellation. Appellation is Jim. Your name is your reputation. It's what you do. That's what your name is. I'm going to have a big name in this town. Does that mean somebody's going to go down here to the Batman building and put your name uh, 20 feet tall? Jim, of course. No. That means you're going to have influence. You're going to have some authority. The Greek word Greek word name is onoma and the Hebrew word for name is shem to have a name means to have something of authority something there's so much to read to you about name it's just phenomenal 
Shem was the second born son of Noah. And God blessed Shem and gave him the authority over over Ham and Japheth. Ham was the youngest. For some reason, people think that Shem was the oldest because his name is always mentioned first. No, he wasn't the oldest. He was the second born. That we're back to the second borns again. Let me go over here and show you in the 10th chapter of Genesis. And when you say Shem, you're saying one who's in authority. Or when you look up Onoma, it'll say authority. Your name is your authority or your character. I suggest that everybody get the Kittles New Testament Dictionary of Greek Words. I've had people say, well, that was written by a man who was a friend of Adolf Hitler. I don't know that they were friends. He was a German, Gerhard Kittel. But that's like saying, I'm not going to that match class. That guy was a German in Germany when Hitler was in power. That's like saying, we're not going to use Werner von Braun, the head missile builder in Germany, because he was a Nazi. Werner von Braun was head of our space program. We wouldn't have been out there in space without him, and he was Hitler's top scientist. You can't say, I'm not going to go take that algebra class because that guy don't believe in predestination. If he knows algebra, take it from him. That's funny the way people react to these things. But Shem, look here, let me just show you real quick. Name and Mark have basically the same meaning. It's the character. I mean, to get into the mark of the beast, I've got to get into the character of the beast. Already had the character up here. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Isn't that the love of money? Love of money? is the root of all evil. That's one word. Dogeria. P-H-I-L-A-R-G-U-R-I-A. Philogeria. That's the word love of money. It comes from philos and augury. Philos means a fondness for An augury is the word silver or shining. A man who loves to shine and he wants all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That goes on with being famous, doesn't it? Famous. Remember, bless you when men shall reproach you. Reproach, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. 
You're blessed when you are infamous. Not famous, infamous. If you're a famous singer, you've got a lot of hit records, and everybody likes you, if everybody likes you, you're cursed from God. Boy, you're blessed. Woe in you when all men speak well of you. If you're real popular and everybody likes you like they like Tom Brady, something wrong with your life. He's not going to take a stand for truth. I don't believe that. He is a Roman Catholic. He did get drunk the night of the Super Bowl and did some stupid, silly things. If you are famous like Frank Sinatra, woe unto you. If you're famous like Elvis, do I believe he's a Christian? No. He had all kinds of women all the time. Do I believe he was, I believe he was confused and lost. He didn't know what to do with himself. He gave cars away in order to have friends, but he didn't know who his friends were. He didn't know if they were there for his money or there because they were truly being a friend. If you're famous, if you're a big famous superstar, actor, country singer, pop singer, and some of them it's easy to say, warned you, warned you, Mick Jagger. <laughs> That's easy to say. I warned you, David Lee Roth. That wacko that sang with Van Halen. But warn you, whoever you are, that if you're famous and you don't take a stand for the truth, the judgment of God is upon you. What he says here in Genesis, Genesis that after they come out of the ark in that ninth chapter, that Noah knew what his younger son had done, talking about Ham. That's his younger son. And he says over in, he says, Bless me, the Lord God of Shem. And then he says in verse 21 of chapter 10, Unto Shem also the father of the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth the elder. Japheth was the older. Ham was the younger. Shem was second born. And Shem has the same name. He has the same name as name. It's the exact same name, and it's pronounced the same way. Do you know they didn't even list him in the concordance? They just list name. So Shem was blessed. So to have a, a good name, the Bible says in the second chapter of Revelation, I believe it's the 17th verse, that he's going to give us a new name when we're taken out here. I don't know if we're going to have a literal new name or what. Onoma, the Greek word, can mean notoriety. You can have a big bad name. I'm going to read some of these when I come back. Remember when the children of Israel said, Moses said, when I go tell Israel, I tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Israel's my son, even my firstborn. And they said, what if they say to him, what is his name? What if they say to you, the children of Israel? They haven't known of him for 400 years. 
And God said, you tell them, I am has sent me. Am is a form of the verb be. The being verbs of be is am, are, was, were, being, been, have, has, had, do, does, did, shall, will, should, would, may, might, must, can, could. That's the being verbs. They're all a form of the verb to be. Will is a form of the verb to be. If you can will yourself into salvation, you can bring yourself into existence. Jehovah means self-existent. Am I out of time? Yeah. I'll tell you some things about names Saturday. It's just astounding what name means. Name is the same meaning as Mark. It has to do with a man's authority. And if we have Christ's authority, where do we have it? In the mind. They called it the forehead, but that was in the mind. The Lord said, Take my law, put it upon your hand, put it where you lie down, where your eyes are up, where you walk, and put it between your eyes, which means in the mind. That's the seal of God in us. The mark of the beast is in the mind. It's not it's not this stupid thing that's going around. Oh, that's the that's a vaccine. That's a mark of the beast. No, it's not ignorant. That's dumb to say that. Is the is the vaccine also a name? Yeah, it's a vaccine. Boy, this the world is just I believe the mark of the beast was there in the garden. He said, You can't partake of all that's in the world. That's the love of money. That's the love of self. By the way, we get the word argue from the word augury. Argue. I didn't even hardly get started on this. I've got it. I introduced you to Mark equals name. Same thing. So when you see the name of the beast, you're seeing everything he represents. You're seeing his reputation. They will tell you in here that name is your reputation. How many Jim Browns are there? I used to travel. Went through Houston one time, opened up the big, thick directory, and they had 138 or 39 Jim Browns, just Jim Brown, in their phone directory. But none of them lived in Hendersonville. They didn't finally grow up to preach predestination and Christmas is pagan. That's my name, what I do. That's your name. And that's your mark. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Sometimes I get on this subject and I, there's so much to say. I, I can't say it all. The people watching, Lord, strengthen those believers that are out there. Lord, let them know that we're with them. We may have to take off because of some sickness, but 
We'll be back. I pray that you'll give the believers strength to stand, to continue. Strengthen the members of this ministry and those that are struggling with problems. Help them, Lord. Fight every enemy we've got. We trust you to do that. There are people out there that would love to destroy this ministry. But Lord, you said if men touch your anointed, they have to suffer for it. Let us to your elect family in Christ's name. Amen. Man, I get on this subject of the beast and the mark of the beast, and it's just overwhelms me. What you got there? I just seen some papers. Here. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it says no free will. God does all things. Grab one. I'm just going to continue this Saturday. <clears throat> There's too much here. I can't get it all. I can't get it in one lesson, that's for sure. <clears throat> 